Hey everybody, it's Todd. Uh, We decided to put this podcast into two different weeks because we interviewed this amazing guy, friend of ours. We've had him on the podcast multiple times. We've actually had him speak at our Zen Parenting Conference and his name is Mike Damish. And usually our interviews are between 50 minutes and an hour, but we just got going with Mike and none of us wanted to stop. So we just kept going. So you'll get part one this week and you'll get part one next week. So hopefully you enjoy the conversation between Kathy, myself, and Mike Damish. Enjoy. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 709. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we have one of my favorite people of all time, Mr. Mike Damish. Mike, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Todd and Kathy, for having me back. Yeah, um, Mike's back. So we'll have Mike introduce himself in a second, sweetie. But <laughs> for those people who have uh, never come to our conference, who are relatively newish listeners, how do you? How do we know Mike? So I would say, like you said, Mike's going to give his own intro. But I would say the reason we always bring Mike on is because he is he ta- he talks about consent, he talks about sexual assault, he talks about equity, equality, he talks about how we can better raise our kids to understand these things. He just is I consider to be the expert in this field, um, and we live in the Midwest together. Mm-hmm. That's yes. part of it as well. Um, so so Mike, just give us your whole overview of your where you work and everything, what you've created, I yes, should say. Yes, that? That's better. Yeah, sure. Happy to go there. So, you know, nobody grows up in the 70s and 80s thinking, oh, I'm going to be a speaker on sexual <laughs> assault. Uh, that wasn't a possibility you even considered. And I certainly wasn't either. And I was studying college when I received a phone call. And it was that my sister had been raped. And my life would change in that moment. Mm-hmm. And about a year later, I heard a speaker and I thought, I can do something about this. And I started speaking out. So I started in middle schools and high schools, a lot in universities, and couldn't make it because the schools wouldn't talk about this Mm. in the 1990s. It was not something we could talk about. And in 2002, some people came to me and said, why aren't you doing this? And I shared, and they said, well, the world's changed. And so the last 20 years, 21 years, I worked with universities, schools, U.S. military, corporations, a lot of parenting groups on talking about the topics of consent. Respect really is the foundation of everything, honestly. Sexual assault is the crime that happens when people do not treat each other with respect and Mm. honor boundaries. But respect is the foundation of everything we're really discussing. And so we've taken it from that place to how does porn impact that? How does nudes impact that? How does your daily sexual decision-making in marriage Mm. impact this? How are we treating each other? Two, what's the ultimate and the ultimate's mutually amazing consensual sex, mm-hmm. mutually amazing consensual relationships in the workplace, in the family, and in the home. So we've started from a place that was provoked by a, a horrible trauma and crime to how do we get to this wonderful place in our lives? Mm. Wonderful. wonderful. So your place, your center is called, because you're wearing the shirt and I love it, the Center <laughs> for Respect. Yes. And, you know, I mean, like you said, it's just a great umbrella definition of everything you talk about and whatever comes up next, because there's going to be something. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to speak at a place where they're like, here's what we had or here's what we're dealing with now is technology and AI continues. Something else is going to come up. So um, I love that idea of you're like anything in that world I can speak to. Yeah, because because if you understand what it how respect shows up or doesn't show up. 
in our day-to-day relationships, Mm -hmm. then you can talk about it on every level. Yes. Because most people are disrespectful every day. Mm. But they see respect as... Uh, or disrespect as the the monster, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. They do that. Well, do you ever interrupt your partner? Hmm. That's a sign of disrespect. Do you ever do something else while they're trying to talk to you? That's a sign of disrespect. So we all engage in disrespect. The question is, how can we be intentional about being respectful in those moments instead of what we're doing? Mm. It's like the rape culture pyramid. Yes. You know, yep. the things at the bottom that we start with that then allow, and the rape culture pyramid, for everybody who doesn't know, it basically starts with what we call locker room talk, or I don't even know if that's the bottom level anymore, but the things we say that we're like, it's no big deal, we don't mean it, but then how that gets into us, the words like change the way we see people, see ourselves, and then it leads to rape culture. And same with respect. Absolutely. So we'll deal with an organization or company that says, well, we don't have a sexual harassment problem here. And I'll think yet. Mm -hmm. We don't have that problem here yet. Because what they view it as is they view it as if this was a building, their company represented a high rise. Well, the 17th floor is sexual harassment and we don't have any cracks in the foundation there. No, but the cracks are at the bottom because of these subtle little things that are getting away with. And suddenly you're going to have the 17th floor crumbling with the whole building. Yeah. And it's going to be too late. So what are we doing in our homes to build that foundation every day to deepen that foundation of respect versus waiting until there's a problem and now we're reactive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Kathy mentioned this pyramid. Um, I just Googled it. Rape culture pyramid, 11th principle. I don't even know who came up with it. Do you happen to know who came up with there's, there, well, there's First of all, there's several different versions. Okay. So it all depends on who, whose yeah. version you're looking at. Yeah. There's also people call the circle the yeah. wheel okay. of sexual violence. So there's all different different examples of models okay. to talk about where this stuff starts. And everybody's bottom, you brought up, Kathy, I don't know what the bottom level is. It's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. The more subtle, the better it is of a bottom. Because mm-hmm. if it's obvious, it's not the bottom, yeah. right? It's, it's usually a subtlety. Well, in the bot, the one I'm looking at, and I think it's a sexual, sexist attitudes, rape jokes, and locker room banter. And really, we can drill down even further below I can that, go way deeper. Right? I can give one that everybody on here can relate to. Uh, you're with your spouse or your partner, whatever the situation is, and you say, do you want to have sex tonight? Partner says, no, I don't know about, I don't, I don't think tonight, maybe I'm tired. And you go, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? Or why not? Mm. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, did we not just hear what they, and we love this person. Yeah. And we're questioning them instead of honoring their answer. That wouldn't show up as that. Yeah. Because that's above that. Yeah. But that's not respecting the answer. So how do I respect the answers of my partners? That's at a much more basic, deeper level. And if I'm doing that, we're never going to have any issues because mm-hmm. I'm respecting your answer. As long as I don't feel ga- shame or guilt or I'm yeah. not doing what you want to. That's the other half of that. Well, even how, as you shared that, like it just reminds me of a transactional nature, which yeah. is probably not what sex is all about. It's not Correct. about transactional nature. It's about giving of yourself, loving without condition, and for it to be transactional is dangerous. Yeah, so when I, whether I'm speaking in a middle school or I'm speaking at U.S. military to an audience of 40 to 60-year-olds, I say when you say no to a sexual offer, does your partner normally go, you know, I'm glad I asked. Thanks for letting me know you don't want that. Mm. And the whole room, no matter what age, goes, of course not. Yeah. I go, well, what do they say? What one or two words do they ask you? The whole world, whether they're a middle schooler where 55 yells, why or why not? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which which nobody pulled you in a classroom to teach you that. No. 
but everybody knows the answer. So you know if you say no to sexual intimacy, your answer will be questioned. Mm. So I just, last week I just sent Todd this meme um, and it was something from Twitter and it just basically said it was this woman and she was talking to her nephew and her nephew had been trying to like, um, you know, Inter- interact with a girl, get a girl's attention, and she ke- and he kept texting her, and she said no. And so this this woman said to the nephew, "So what are you going to do?" And he goes, "I know, keep trying." And she goes, "No, you're going to leave her alone." Mm-hmm. And I think what you are what you are having to deconstruct, as well as everything around sexuality and consent, is masculine culture, because you're supposed to keep trying. There's a and we talk about grit, and you know, like. Just saying, okay, I take you at face value. That's not part of masculine culture. And so the issue here is conquering versus mutuality. Right. And and people don't look at those two words. They'll look at conquering, but they don't talk about mutuality. And most of us are taught in this world to persevere, mm. which is a conquering mentality. There are times we should give up on something we're doing for ourselves. It's not good for us. But we're taught don't give up. Mm-hmm. Giving up's losing. The greatest entrepreneurs in the world walk away from businesses mm-hmm. because they recognize this isn't going to be a good fit. I'm walking away. Yeah. It's a smart move. Well, that's true in our personal relationships. So am I trying to conquer this person or build a mutually wonderful experience with this person? Well, the moment they say, no, this ain't mutual. I'm out. This isn't mutual. But if I'm in conquer, well, I got to win them over. Yeah. And by the way, people do this in bed, right? Yeah. So there's people listening right now who have experienced this exact moment. They're in a sexual experience. They say, that's not working. Move on or do something. And the partner says, well, give it a second. It will. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, no, that's not going to work, right? Right. And so, but the mindset of the other person is, watch me. Yeah. Right? Watch what I can do. And so it's a conquering versus is if it's mutual, I want to listen to you. And I'm going, oh, it's not working? Okay. What would you like? Or what else do we do? Well, and just to kind of rewind maybe five minutes, the example you gave is let's say that there's two partners and they love each other and the one person asks the other, hey, I think I would love to have sex tonight or whatever. How many times, like if we surveyed 100 people out there, how often is it verbalized? Like consenting adults, how often is there... Because we and we we've talked to Mike a lot, and I'm going to include all of our previous interviews with Mike in the show notes, so you guys can all say all all experience that. But most of the time, there is no verbal ask. It's just this. It's a physical ask, right? Yeah, so it's a touch. It's a touch. Yeah. yeah. So I just, what's your best guess? A hundred couples, consensual adults. How many of them are verbally? Asking, I would like to have sex tonight or or right now. So this is going to depend on the age of the adult. Okay. You're seeing changes in the younger generation of this occurring, mm-hmm. of asking and saying, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, there, there are people making that shift, which yeah. is beautiful. But if we're saying the average 40 to 60, 70-year-old married 10, 20, 30 years, the odds they're asking are incredibly slim. Can you help me understand why asking with touch is not an ask? So let's say I'm in bed with Kathy. I think I want to have sex with Kathy. I start rubbing her back. Isn't that an ask? Yeah. So no, it's called rubbing the back. Yeah, right? (laughs) That's what it is. So it's a very easy answer, right? So let me give you an example that that I give with adult audiences. What's amazing about not asking is you get more frustrated than if you just asked. So what'll happen is... And we call this the backdoor bump. Uh, two people are in bed laying next to each other in the spoon position. Yeah. And one just starts doing a little grind action yeah. against the other one's back end. Right. And uh, they think, well, I clearly want you. I'm telling you I want you. And what the other person's hearing is you want some. Mm. 
Ooh, yeah. I'm the object you're getting it oh. through because there's nothing intimate about this grind up against my back end. Mm -hmm. It's a, are you open for business move? Right. Versus yeah. what do you want right now? Mm -hmm. How would you love me to touch you? Where do you want to be kissed? Where do you want to be licked? Where do you want to be? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're in a different conversation right now. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a whole different experience. Yeah. So what happens is the person who's grinding up thinks, oh, they love this, but they can't see the person's face. He's yeah. going, really? Yeah. Uh, and that's very common. Mm -hmm. If they had simply asked, what do you want right now? Would you let me? They might say nothing. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Okay, then I'm glad I asked. Mm -hmm. you, you, maybe, would you like a back rub to help fall asleep? Yeah. How mm -hmm. often does somebody ask that? Right. No, it's a back rub to get laid. Yeah. Right. right? So do you want a back rub? So I, we always used to joke, watch how quickly they offer compliments to you or back rubs to you right before they want sexual activity. Mm -hmm. But they don't do it any other time. Mm -hmm. So now it's a gimmick. Yeah. Versus you just want a back row, I'll give you a back row. Yeah. Right? It's a mechanism it's to a, get something else. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. that's why, like, you know, you're not in the bedroom, you're like in the kitchen getting something ready, and your partner comes up and like rubs your shoulders or whatever. You can't accept it because you're like, if I accept this from you, you think this means that we're going to have sex later. It's almost like I've entered into a contract now because I'm allowing you. So a lot of uh, partners will shrug off their partner like not now and right. really that partner is trying to they're not shrugging off what's happening they're they're, they're shrugging off what, what they think means. this means the projection the projection the story yeah. that's in their mind right now correct yeah which is i would say 99 there's probably there's a one percent in there that that partner is really just seeing that they're tense and trying to support them but you know they have learned being married to this person or or partnering with this person or just their history it may not be this person but that this is some negotiation mm -hmm. that's happening and isn't that sad you know that right. um that we think if someone says hey can i rub your feet or can i rub your back or just give you a hug that there's something connected to it mm -hmm. that yeah. we just are giving into something well and there's the flip side of that which is you can compliment your partner too much because they start to then think they're just an object. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So you're always telling your partner how beautiful they are. Maybe I'm sick of hearing that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so that's always an interesting side to this too of what else am I? Mm -hmm. Besides just gorgeous and beautiful or good looking or muscular, whatever it is, what else am I to you? Because that's what I hear all the time. It's just my body. Sweetie, yeah. I probably don't tell you you're beautiful too much. No. Todd's yeah. not. Todd's love language is not words. Yeah. I will say, Todd, how do I look today? <laughs> yeah. And he'll say, oh, yeah. hold on. Let me I tell know. you. So but I, but I'll, I'll own this. This is an area where I can make that mistake because yeah. I'm words. Yeah. So I use words back to my partner, right? Because that's yeah. what I believe I want to hear. Yes. Mm -hmm. But their language can be different. Yes. So hers could be acts of service or time together. Uh, and so it's understanding that. Well, and on the journey. And I no longer have the excuse like, well, I just, I can't claim ignorance. We've been at this married for 21 <laughs> years. Well, and I will say, because I'm like Mike, sometimes I, when I, I get a visual representation, sometimes when I'm M showering Todd, I literally see the words fall to the floor. He's not catching them. Like he's not, the way I'm trying to offer them um, and, you know, he's like, it doesn't mean anything to him to say, wow, you look really good or you're a really good looking guy. He's like, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't hear it. Mm -hmm. And right. so I literally see them falling to the floor. So, you know, you and I, Mike, as words people, even though that means the most to us, I have to find different ways to well, engage. And you. It was just my birthday. Yes. Two days ago, uh -huh. I think. Happy and birthday. Thank you yes. very much. And Kathy made me a playlist, oh, yeah. a really good one. It's like, how many hours of music is on this? Well, I spent six months, every song that would come on that I would hear that reminds me of Todd, I put in this playlist because wow. I was going to give it to him for his birthday. So that's an act of service, right? Which is my yeah. love language. Yeah. The problem is she hit me up with this literally like two minutes before we went to sleep. 
Yeah. And I kind of forgot because I had made it and I had it ready like about a month ago. And then he started playing a song that was on it as we were going to bed. I go, oh, my God, I have something for you. And I gave it to him and I told him, I said, I've been working on this for six months. And every and, and I looked at it and I appreciate it, but it was like really late. So the next morning, and this is I'm going to compliment you here for a second, sweetie. You um, my response to your gift was not did not meet expectations. You right? said you scrolled through, you go, that's long. That's great. And then you set your phone down. Yeah, right. That's so, long. And then, <laughs> that's what she said. Yeah. Sweetie, come on, get your mind out of the I, gutter. I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, but then the next morning, and this is, this has nothing to do with consent or anything else. This is just relationship stuff. The next morning you did say, I didn't feel that the way I, you didn't feel the way I appreciated the gift was what you were hoping it was. Right. And the reason I think that's an important piece, I think a lot of partners will develop an internal resentment and hold on to stuff. And what's great about Kathy is when something bothers her, she shares it in a very loving way. And I just want to, that's like relationship 101 is don't let, don't stuff, don't stuff stuff down. Share it in the most compassionate way you can. So anyways. Well, and you're a good receiver because that's the thing too, Mike, it's true, is that in a partnership sometimes... One person is like, they want to ask these questions, you know, going back to what you were talking about, they want to say, they want to talk about consent and they want to ask permission or they want to share vulnerably, but the other one doesn't. Yeah. Don't you think that's the most common thing? Yeah. you And that becomes, uh, this is true whether you're talking to your kids about relationships or you're looking at your own partner with relationships is, are you matching with somebody who has the maturity to have the relationship you want to have? Mm. <laughs> we both like yes. I know a lot of men out there that are struggling right now because they're either way behind and have no interest in looking in the mirror and doing any personal growth work, or they're doing a ton of work, even some clients I'm thinking of, and their wives or their partners have no interest whatsoever in looking at their stuff. It's, yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And so there's two sides of that conversation, right? One is, okay, I chose this partner for life. And I'm in a growth spurt they're not in. Yeah. That's on me. And so to expect them to change mm-hmm. is I'm not here to fix them. Yeah. So the question is, how do I be okay with my growth in a way that's different than them? Yeah. Or how do I figure this out that they don't have to change and yet we can figure out how to communicate? Yes. Right? That, that would be the key to that person. Yes. How do I figure out how to communicate in their world without making them change because I'm the one on the growth side right now, mm-hmm. right? And they might be on one down the road and I'm not in one. True. So I don't have to give up on them necessarily. Yeah. It's how do I get to communicate that? Mm-hmm. Now, that's in a mature relationship. If you're in an unhealthy or toxic, obviously I'm not recommending you stay in that yes. and figure that out uh, in that kind of a situation because then you have to start to go, wow, we're how we view treating another human being is differently. Well, yeah. now we got problems because yeah. how are we going to stay together? This, this isn't going to add up. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, you know, those are questions people have to explore in those situations. Well, I think that's really uh, valuable because, and it's not like, oh, I'm in a growth mindset and my partner isn't. Rarely is it one or the other. Like Tuesday, I might be in a growth mindset, right. but Wednesday I may not be. But if the problems become bigger, I like what you said is like, because we're not here to fix each other no. at all, even though I think that there's a lot of relationships that do have that like, well, I'm not in it unless my partner is 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 following me every step of the way. And that's not it. But what you said was, how do we communicate? How do we connect? Can we connect? Can I love this person even though at this moment they're not in a growth mindset? That's, that's tricky. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. Um, for me, I don't know that it's tricky. It's, it's get over yourself. Mm. Mm. We think they should be doing everything we're doing. Right. 
So that's about us. That's our ego. Mm -hmm. How dare you not want to grow? How dare you not want to do this? How dare you not want to versus going, all right, if I'm truly on a path, then how do I get patient to understand them mm. instead of asking them to fix to my path? Yeah. Right. And, and I was somebody in the past that could be a fixer. So I own that too. Sure. That, oh, well, they need, I'll help them do this. I'll help them do that. But they're not looking to do that. Yeah. So why am I trying to do that? Why don't I change mm -hmm. to how this needs to work as long as I'm not losing myself right. when I talk about changing. There, that's right. the danger zone is I'm losing my values, losing my voice. No, those, that's not what we're talking about. Sure. How do I adapt though? Yeah. Well, and like you said, you when we started this conversation, you said it's like in parenting too. And that's what we always talk about is, you know, we have three daughters. They're all very different. And the way you reach them and communicate with them are different. That's right. And so I'm not saying... I'm the parent. This is how I parent. Deal with me this way. I'm saying I'm getting to know you. And the what thing you respond to best is here. You know, I have one daughter who will text back immediately, a one who won't, one who might. And that doesn't mean one's disrespectful and the other. It, it means that that's not their method of communication. And so it's like, how do you reach them? And I think that's been a big part of our conversation, like, Todd, with the girls is just if you know them, yeah. just mm -hmm. like you know your partner, you are willing to figure out how to reach them and then everybody feels seen. Yeah. Look, look same thing. I have four sons. You know, they're yeah. in their 20s now. Uh, but yes, if the one doesn't reply back, you might be like, OK, that's pretty normal. But if the certain one didn't reply back, right. now you're going, uh-oh. Yes. Because they normally reply back right away. So that's exactly it. You have to build it based on the understanding. And it's the same thing relationship. Going back to what we just said. What's my partner's means and how do they normally do this? I know that I used to think, well, if my partner writes something out to me in a long email, why didn't they just say that to my face? Uh, mm -hmm. Because that's not their means. They like when they sit down and they write, they get to flow and understand and, and you get everything you need to know in there. So just totally. accept where it's at. Well, and I uh, appreciate your viewpoint. Um, sometimes it's it's hard, like because it's so easy to fall into, I'll call it a victim trap or like, oh, well, my partner isn't who I want my partner to be. Then I got to start looking elsewhere. Whereas what you said is like, how do I connect with this person where they are? And the, the terminology I use, like you're taking radical responsibility for how you show up, something you have control over. And you don't have any control over whether or not your person chooses to change or not change, how do you experience it with all the caveats that you shared? I think that's really interesting. I remember we had a guy named Jason Gaddis on, uh, who we love. He wrote a great book called Getting to Zero. And we were, he was, oh, he was in studio, I think. Mm -hmm. And Kathy and I were in some type of contentions. I don't know. There's some we were just debating something that had come up. Yeah. And, it, and the nature of it was, um, if there's some, if there's a disconnect between us, Kathy's always the one that brings it up. And Kathy, I'm sure you get fatigued by that as always the one that brings it up. And one thing that Jason said, which I love because it's very accommodating to say, my Todd viewpoint, Todd loves this story. <laughs> was Todd's nervous system is different and Todd has a different history and a different past and all that. And that doesn't leave me completely off the hook, but it, it's, it's similar to what you just said mm -hmm. is like, how, how do we meet this person where they are versus where we need that, where we think we need them to be? Yeah, I, I'll give you an example. I just read the book Driven, amazing book on people who are wired, that entrepreneur, that high achiever. Uh, and what it showed is we have to do certain things and have them in our life. And if we're not, there'll be dissatisfaction. But other people can think that is overly spontaneous because they don't understand how we're wired. Mm -hmm. It's how we're wired. Yeah. So it's a neurodiverse situation versus mm. 
a, well, they're choosing. No, they literally need that in their life. Yeah. They need that dopamine and they're going to be much better to you mm-hmm. in how they treat you if you give them the dopamine hit. Like, let yeah. them go do their thing. Yeah. They're going to be way better for you in present. So it's understanding that whatever you need is different than what I need, than what they need, just like our kids. We all have different needs, right? And so it's understanding the wiring of that and honoring that. And look, let's be very clear. That's difficult when we're agitated yes. or we're not well-rested or we've had a rough day because we're in our we're in our mindset only yes. not other people's yeah. exactly and i'll tell you what um because you know we've had this discussion a lot i'll tell you what uh partner hey friends who smarted did you smart sweetie no it wasn't me uh who smarted is the world's funniest educational podcast for families from history to science to pop culture they make learning fun for the entire family It's beloved by homeschool families and classroom teachers for its ability to spark conversation and natural curiosity. It's the perfect length for car rides or for fun educational breaks during the day. More than 300 original episodes, each under 20 minutes, and packed with great stories and real facts from the trusted narrator. A few of the most recent episodes are titled Why Are Blue Jeans Blue? What Makes Earth Able to Support Life? And What Are Crayons Made Of? You can listen to Who Smarted on any podcast app just search for who's smarted. And now on with the show. Not other people's. Yeah. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, um, because, you know, we've had this discussion a lot. I'll tell you what uh, partner, it, typically women usually say back to me about that story, Todd, is that while I totally hear that and between you and I, we manage that very well. I think a lot of women say, well, I've done a lot of work to be able to bring these things up. Mm-hmm. Like I've, and so that is that's the piece that's always like well i've been working on myself since i was 30 and i've been thinking about all these things and i've been reading the books and then he'll say but see i'm not wired that way yeah it's so an excuse it can be like you and well, i have well, i would i would i'm going to well on the it's an excuse not to interrupt yeah keep going keep going um it's not an excuse if it's true if i'm not wired if i'm wired differently than you that's a fact yeah. Okay, so we're so, going to get into it. This is great. <laughs> this is good. This so, is what I... This so is great. that's a fact. Now, the, the question is, am I understanding that about myself and saying, so how can I, the way I'm wired, Correct. grow and yes. work on this relationship? So then it's an excuse if I'm willing to say, well, I'm wired that way, so nothing I do can right. be anything that how I'm... Now it's an excuse. Right. But to say it's how I'm wired, it's not an excuse. It's a reality of foundation I need to understand to be able to work in this relationship better to be my best self. Mm-hmm. Well, it brings us back. Like that. Well, that's true, but it brings us back to the point that we just made 15 minutes ago, which is if I'm wired this way, and I'm just making this up, I'm wired and I can't bring up difficult moments with Kathy because of what I experienced when I was a little kid and I'm so conflict averse, blah, blah, blah. If I, um, if, if I own that and I'm like, I don't really want to work on that part, so you're on, that gets back to... M- I have no growth mindset, right? I so how how is it? So like in this example, Kathy, it, she can't change me, right? Mm-mm. So I feel like it's a slippery slope where excuses can come so easily. And how do you love somebody who doesn't want to look in the mirror and 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 grow or evolve or learn or how to better connect? So, and just by the way, this is the most common question Todd and I get, which is why we're digging in with you right. because everyone will say one of two things: either how do what do you do with a partner who doesn't want to grow, or you're so lucky you have Todd. Like I get that all the time. You're so lucky you have Todd. If I had Todd, you know, and and I appreciate that because Todd is willing. But partners, and as you can see, this can be very gender, mm-hmm. gendered. Yep. 
Yeah. You know, and it's not always, I always have to say, this is not always the case because we definitely know people where sure, it's, it's the opposite. opposite. Karen, but, if Karen was sitting here right now, she'd tell you we're probably, you two are flips of us. Yes, yes. exactly. Right. And you've met Karen. So yes, right. I have. And that doesn't, and that doesn't make Karen or Todd a different learner. They're, they're different learners than us, but may, it doesn't make them less committed to our relationship because they find their commitment in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so that's something. So I'll go back to, let's say I am the one who for 30 years is always trying to grow and trying to learn and all. That's not on you. Like I should be putting that on my partner that I did all the work for 30 years. Let's get honest. I did all the th- work for 30 years because I thought I had to. Mm-hmm. Not because... I did it for me. I did it for me. Yes, mm-hmm. you're so right. So to turn it against you is unfair yeah. to say, well, I've been self-working for 30 years. Yeah, I did that for me. Mm-hmm. So why am I using that against you? Yeah. Which people do. They'll oh, be like, yeah. oh, I'm doing all the work and you're not doing it. Well, why are you doing the work for yeah. you? So stop making it about me. Mm, interesting. You're doing the work for you. Well, and it just reminds me, and then I want to talk, well, I want to pivot discussions, but... I used to use this framework and I don't think I use it anymore, but like the different levels of relationship and most of us fluctuate between the levels on a daily or a minute to minute basis. But level one is it's all selfish. Level two, it's transactional. And level three is where my needs are to meet Kathy's needs and Kathy's needs are to meet my needs. And when, when, and even saying that sounds a little weird, like, cause then you, you don't want to remove, I don't want to remove myself from the equation, if all my needs are just to make sure Kathy's But that's happy. not what you're saying. You're, that would be the, you're, what I, the visual I get is, I love the way Mike says it because he says it's very matter of fact, but it has so much nuance in it. Mm-hmm. And, and that is that we're meeting each other's needs because we're in relationship yeah. and we get something out of that as well. Mm-hmm. It's not about I'm setting myself down and I'm just meeting your needs. I understand. I love you. I care for you. I get something out of this relationship too. And I'm bringing my full self, which means I'm self-aware as I'm doing things for you. And I'm, I have boundaries. Mm-hmm. So that third level is a very, uh, it, there's a lot of pieces to it. Sure. Do you know Ab- what I mean? Yeah. Massively. So I gave the example earlier how we're probably flip my relationship versus your relationship. And Karen gives on an instant, like she can't not give. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like she just can't help people. And it's awesome. It's amazing. I tell her all the time, you give so much to other people. So the fact that I'm and and she reads and is into self, she's wonderful that way, does grow just like you both do, too. So um but we do it differently. And so it's just looking at going, wow, look at everything she's constantly doing. If we do that, we're mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It's when we do, but I'm doing this and they're not doing this. Yes. That's when the fire erupts mm-hmm. because now we're getting, our life should be theirs. They should be a robot of us. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the danger happens. It's stopping and going, wow, look at what they are. Look what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's amazing. If we do that, we're going to be balanced. Yeah. Because it's actually not about meeting each other's needs. I don't believe that mm-hmm. at all. Because then if I'm having to meet your needs, then I'm trying to be something that's not me either. So it's funny. So I want to bring pivot this conversation into the bedroom because there was a time in the relationship between Kathy and I where our sexual relationship was, I was only happy if she was happy. And I don't know if it was Esther Perel or somebody, but we also need to not forget about our own um, desires. Now, would you say that that is also a gendered response? Like, did I don't you, know. like, where did you get that? Like, take it off of me for a second. I don't know. I'll go there. Mike, I'll go there. Mike, okay, go I've seen this in my work a lot. They're both genders go after it for different okay. reasons. And the, by the way, there's multiple genders. So I want to be clear yeah, about that. So all genders. Non-binary, mm-hmm. all genders. Uh, but we're saying both here because there's two people in the room identifying. Yes. But um, that's important to understand. Uh, so 
a lot of men are raised that you're supposed to be the king in the bedroom. Yeah. And so it's about performance to prove you're the king in the bedroom. Yes. So yes. I have to please you because that's my job. Because as a I want to feel good about myself. Yeah. That's how I'm a man. Right. Right. That mentality, very heterosexual. Yeah. Uh, and so women are taught it's my job to please because that's what a woman does. She makes sure their partner are happy. It's not about conquering. It's about my value is in their pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Where he's doing it as to prove she's doing it to find her value. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is very different. Yeah. And by the way, we're being very generalistic. I want to be clear here. But our society taught, teaches those. So young women are way more likely to say yes to sex they don't want to have because they just don't want to disappoint their partner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Young men are more likely to say yes to sex they don't want to have because they think they're not a man if they say no. Mm -hmm. So there are very different reasons, but both focused on performance at some level, yeah. but neither might be for the healthy reason yeah, of, right. of mutuality. Right. Isn't it so interesting if both of those things are happening simultaneously, yeah. you're completely missing each right. other. One is conquering, one's appeasing, yeah. and there's nothing in it. And that's probably why people walk away and say, yeah, we're having sex, but it's empty. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's because they're missing each other mm -hmm. in the process. They are being, you know, because to your point of all genders, I think all, you know, depending, we all have a piece of that, the desire to, you know, because women sometimes want to, and again, you know, it's, it's so hard to talk about this and talk about all the pieces, but want to overpower. Sexuality mm -hmm. is used in a power way mm -hmm. as well. So it it's just a the, – the lack of discussion is what causes this problem because yes. we're not communicating. We're, we're going from almost a cellular memory of this is the expectation, but we really don't even really know what the other person wants or where they're coming sure. from. Yeah, and the ramifications as you age – it's horrible. Yes. Because what'll start to happen, anybody gets to certain ages knows this, you know, at 25 to perform is no big deal, as long as you're not, you know, not too much intoxication or drugs right. or whatever else, or there could be stresses to get to there. But as you age, your your whole value of what performance looks like and how an erection happens or how moist somebody gets or how wet somebody gets changes because the body is drastically changing. Yeah. And so now you have all these expectations that just are not going to happen that way. Mm -hmm. And you start to feel shame and guilt and humiliation because you didn't realize it was never about that. It was about the two of you's experience in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, you took it on the surface level. Of yeah. We do this, we go through these motions, and then if those things are disempowered for whatever reason, because lack of connection or just biological aging. Um, well, and, and it seems like Mike's foundational message is about communication. Right. Like yeah. verbal communication. Well, yeah. and I was going to ask, like, when are you speaking to people who are 40 and up? Because I know you speak to, well, military is probably yeah. a place, but like, are these conversations like in partnership happening? Like, where are you doing this? Well, so we're actually creating something new for that. Uh, okay. So I'm doing, I'm building out what are called our Mutual Amazing Relationships Retreats. Mm -hmm. So it's Mars, if you put it together, but mm -hmm. uh, taking people to Mars. <laughs> so um, cool. but, uh, a three-day retreat where people are going to come together for this goal. Mm -hmm. How do we build Mutual Amazing Relationships in our relationship? Uh, because in the past where we've done that is is with the military, is with parenting groups. Because mm -hmm. often you do have everybody there who's in relationships or at least some level. And they, they're wanting this so much. It's fascinating when you start to dive into what does it mean to have a mutual amazing relationship. People are just thirsty for this. They're like, tell me more. Where are the tools? Where are the... Because none of us were given this growing up. Never. Right. It, how, it did not exist. How much of the emphasis is on sex, on your retreats? How much is it on intimacy? And how much of it is just relationships, communication? I know they're intertwined, but... Right. They're inter well, it's about connection 
of understanding these tools that I put into my life and sex will be part of where it shows up. Yeah. Uh, the relationship will be part of where it shows up. Uh, sex is the, the sort of the finished product of where it shows itself. Yeah. If it's the goal of it, we're going to have problems because now it's another tool to conquer or to please. Yeah. Yes. Right. And that's not the purpose here. This no. is this is about how do we have a life of this? Yeah. Versus a I've won the prize. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I kind of want to shift gears. Can I do that, Todd? Or do you have more questions? I got one more right quick now? thing. Okay. So we have this thing called Team Zen, and one of the moms wrote in, and she had her 12 year old son or something like that watching porn, and without getting into a lot of the details, they were thinking about like giving this young man magazines or something. Cause we don't want to like introduce shame into sex, obviously. And there's so much, I'll call it garbage toxicity in porn. Um, so I, I want to talk, I want you to talk generally about porn, uh, maybe through the lens of this, starting with this one problem that this woman doesn't know how to address it with her son who has these hormones that are going as he gets into puberty. Yeah. Give him the lens. That's what I always say. Give them the lens to see it through. So what I mean by that is when you're in schools and you ask middle schools and high schools, where's the number one place people turn to for information around sexual intimacy, the body? They overwhelmingly yell porn. porn. Not only that, they will yell specific sites. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even though there's 500 kids in the room, they'll yell the site name mm -hmm. they're going to, which tells you how comfortable yeah. the generation is with the idea of porn. Yeah. Next question I ask is, is this a good source? All ages yell no. Mm. The problem is when they're watching it, they're not watching through that lens. Mm -hmm. They're watching through I'm in the moment lens. And because I'm in the moment, I think this is real. Yeah. So I think that sounds real. I think that's how I'm supposed to be treated because that's what I'm seeing. And so the difference is when we were raised, porn was a magazine for the most part. There was video, but a lot less people had that access. Sure. Minimal, yeah. Uh, and if they did, it was behind a curtain at the at the, at the rental place. Yeah. It was, it, there was shame and guilt in that. So... It was video. It was it was photo, and you had to use your imagination to fill in the places. So you might have got the biology out of it, but you didn't get the pleasure out of it or any of that. So you had to use creativity. Now you see it and hear it and think that's how it all goes together, and you're getting this horrible perception of the reality that isn't real. It's performance based. And you're going, that's how I have to perform. That's how I have to look. I have to shave down there. I get female students and male now and all genders now and identities who will, who will ask, why do I have to be bare down there? Well, you don't. You don't. But because of what they've seen, they believe that's a must. That yeah. is a requirement yeah. because that's what porn shows. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what if your kids saw porn and laughed because they had the right lens? Mm -hmm. So when they saw the porn, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's so unrealistic. Right? If they actually did that, you'd be like, I'm not too worried when they see porn because I know they're going to see it. So the question is, or number two, so that's one. Two, if they are seeing it because they're curious, like I wonder what the naked body, we all have curiosities. Mm -hmm. If we were 16 and we had the access they have to explore possibilities through our mind, probably would have Googled it, probably would have done all that. The question is, did we look at it and go, oh, that's what that looks like? Or, oh, okay. Or do we go, oh, I'm going to use that for sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. Or that's a danger point because now you're going to train your body that that's how I get excited. That's yeah. how I get pleased mm -hmm. versus going, oh, I saw the naked body. I didn't. I had that curiosity. Okay, I saw it. Move on mm -hmm. versus this is a form of pleasure for me. How do you – so the lens, I like it. Yeah. How like, – there's, there's a mom or a dad or a parent out there right now is like how do we – create that lens yeah um how realistic let's say the child's name is aaron and okay. we're not assuming gender there uh the, hey aaron when you watch that what's your goal 
Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's a great question. Well, it's a goal when you watch it. Well, what do you mean? It's a goal? I mean, for some people, it's, give them some options. For some people, it's pleasure. Mm-hmm. For some people, curiosity. It, it's curiosity. Uh, which is it for you? And they're like, well, pleasure. Okay. How realistic do you think it is? No matter what their answer is. Mm-hmm. How realistic do you think that is? Well, I mean, it's real. You can watch it. Well, are you aware that the performers in porn don't do that at home? Why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Right? Have these questions. Uh, the reason is, is because what they do on screen is actually not for pleasure. It's for performance. Yeah. What they do at home is for pleasure. And there's plenty of research that shows they don't do the same thing at home that they do on film. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that so when you see that, you know that's unrealistic. So I'm not trying to shame you for seeing it mm-hmm. or to feel bad about seeing the naked body. The naked body is beautiful. I hope you love your body. Mm-hmm. I hope you love your partner's bodies. But here's <clears throat> where I do worry that if you don't have the right lens, you're not going to be able to love your partner's bodies because you're going to compare them to these bodies. Yeah. And I want you to love your partner's bodies. So I just want you to be able to look through it and go lensing if that's that person's body on the screen. Probably not what my partner's body is going to look like. And so I'm not going to look for that in a partner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love whatever my partner's body is. I'm going to find the joy in their body. So help them to recognize what they're seeing is not realistic. Give them a lens a- example of that uh, and consistently do that without constantly bringing up any topic you constantly bring up with a, a young person. They're just going to think you're beating them over the yeah, head with. Up. So let it sit so they can learn and maybe bring it up down the road again sometime. But see, like, that's what's so amazing, Mike, is the way you talk about it with such a sense of comfort. Like, you know, what are you getting out of that? The, the, uh, first of all, it's fantastic. And I love that sentence. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how, um, you know, talking about this is a male fantasy because most porn is made by men um, and that it's a male gaze. It's close up where that's not really what women are, you know, that's not the way they visualize it. So just that in itself. And, but it's your comfort. That allows for that conversation, the way you said it, because so many, Todd, tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I think a lot of parents, I'm not even going to gender it, watch porn. Sure. And they're confused by their connection to porn. So when their child is watching porn, they don't have access to that sentence you just said, because they don't know why they're watching it. I mean, why? Meaning Mm -hmm. they're probably masturbating. There's something they're getting out of it. But it's like, it's the whole thing is so messy. Yeah. Yeah, well, here's the thing most people don't talk about. There's lots of people that they see a celebrity on TV or they hear about, and their mind goes, oh, what, they look like naked. Mm-hmm. And they Google it. And they look at it. They look at it. Uh-huh. They don't masturbate. They don't do anything. They look at it. They just want to see oh, it. That's what they look like naked. Uh-huh. Oh, I got my curiosity mm-hmm. answered. And they're done, right? But nobody has that conversation. They make it sound like any viewing of nudity or whatever is for masturbation, mm-hmm. is for sexual pleasure. Yes. So if you start to understand, not all of it's like that. It's like if you thought, oh, there's the... The, the Statue of David, all this controversy, the Statue of David right. in our country right now, right? All right, that's a beautiful piece of art, right? So it's a matter of, a, am I turning this into self-pleasure yeah. or am I just answering a curiosity? Mm. Yeah. And then some people are going to say, even answering the curiosity is wrong. Well, that's your true choice. I'm not making that argument one way or the other, but it's different than sexualizing everything yes. or using it for sexual pleasure. Maybe you are looking at a naked picture of that person that you found online because you want... You had a sexual, but you let it go. You saw it and went past. You didn't continue to move on it. So I always give the example of people go, well, what about when someone notices your body when you walk by them? Well, noticing it would be a natural human reaction. Sure. Googling you and continue to stare at your body is a choice. Cat calling. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. But for me to just notice, oh, and to not turn my head and to keep following you, that's natural to notice. We have eyes. We have perception. But what am I doing once I notice? 
it goes back to the same conversation. Well, and for me, I've, I've heard that so many times, you know, guys make up this excuse, well, we're just wired that way or whatever. Like, yeah, having these thoughts or noticing an attractive person walking by, totally normal. But we also have this prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And we have this ability to discern of what's most appropriate in any given situation. And what drives me nuts is when I hear from, in my experience, other men that say, oh, well, we just don't, there's no choice. Mm-hmm. It's just the way we're wired. Yeah. And I'm just like, you cannot upset me quicker when I hear that. Yeah. Because, it, well, what it implies is all men are predators. Yeah. Jeez. That's what it implies. Yeah. Because I have no ability to control myself. Oh, so you're a predator. Because mm-hmm. if you say to any audience, if I describe someone who say they can't control themselves in a sexual situation, they're like predator. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So why would I ever use as an excuse mm-hmm. in this sexual situation? And the the thing that you, because obviously you've been at our conference, you've been on our show, the story you always tell is as soon as you say to somebody, you know, you're, that, oh, by the way, I have a sexually transmitted disease, that person seems to be All of a sudden your prefrontal cortex kicks in. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden. Because you saw a consequence. Of course. So it's when you choose to see consequences or you choose not to. That's the difference in all the situations yes. we're giving. Am I choosing to see the consequence of this action or am I not? Just like, by the way, there are people who think, well, in my marriage, if I looked at a new thing online of another person, I would see that as cheating. Well, that's your consequence. Mm-hmm. So for you, you would never do that because for you, that's cheating. Sure. Other couples would go, I don't care if you see a naked picture mm-hmm. of somebody on, mm-hmm. who's in... The, I don't care. Yeah. So they don't view it that way. Yeah. Now, if you're, some are going to say, well, if you're masturbating to it, I've got a serious problem. Others are going to go, I don't. Mm-hmm. As long as when you're with me, you're with me. Like, it's a wild, the different perceptions people can have of their standards and cheating. And But that's between the two people to decide that uh, versus how we treat our relationships that's with right. our partners. And, and it's so like a, again, I love the layers of it because before communication, before a deep intimacy you may say looking at naked bodies is you're cheating on me. But once you start talking and recognizing your own communication and how you connect and what it meaning, like sometimes we're very steadfast, like this is the way it is. But the more connected we feel to our partner, the less we worry about Correct. those things, mm-hmm. you know, the things that we have may have been like, oh, that's sacred. They can't. And then it's like, well, actually, that's. That doesn't make me uncomfortable at all because yeah. I feel connected to you in other ways. Here's the classic example. You're walking down the street with your partner and you your your eyes notice something, right? right? And your partner goes, enjoying the view? Yeah. Right? So, right. Right? so that's a difference. Like, because they're noticing, right. which is ironic, right? So they notice the body of the person maybe of their gender and they're thinking, well, if I'm noticing. Yeah. Good chance you notice that. Right. So right. you actually call it out like, okay, I noticed it actually is healthy because mm-hmm. you can see, all right, yeah, we both saw that. But you can actually have fun with that then. Like, I'd love to see you in that outfit. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Like, like, we'll do that. like when they do that, like, did you say that? Yeah. And I'd love to see you in that outfit because it's true. Right. I'm not saying that to cover. Mm-hmm. I would genuinely love that view. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but that's healthy. Yeah. Right. Yes. Where you can both do that with each other and go, oh, you notice? And that kind of conversation, again, the intimacy is created from that kind of, because I love the fact that Todd and I can have a conversation about people that we find attractive who are in pop culture, or you were just saying, you were just saying Janet Jackson was really attractive to you when she was on different strokes. And I was like, oh yeah, I can totally see that. Like these are, this is, that is intimacy building in itself. You're getting to know somebody better. You're, and so the fact that we could never say something like that, you literally then can't have that kind of conversation with your partner and you'd have to switch to friends Yeah. yeah, or feel ashamed. 
Yeah. Well, and that's where, remember the old game people would play, who's your one celebrity you're allowed to do in your sure. marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Which is unhealthy right. if you really were going to do that. Like, yeah. I'm giving right. you a hall pass. <laughs> for most people to agree, that is a unhealthy perspective. And, but, but let's be clear, for most, there's some people that's out right. there. That's right, you said that. that. Okay. That's exactly right. I'm not shaming or guilting. Sure. I'm just saying for most. Yeah. Um, however, the idea that we can't say what's attractive. Right. Right. Or what's not. That's a whole different ballgame than I'm going to have sex with that person right. because it's attractive. Or I, I'm going to visualize them when I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. We got a problem now. Potentially. Now others will say, I don't have a problem with that either. Mm-hmm. So this is where everybody comes from such different places. So well, and we come, we show up with, not show up. We get all this baggage growing up from our kids, from our parents, from our culture, from all these messages. Our experiences. Our experiences. Um, at our Men Living Weekend, we sometimes do this thing called the shame ceremony. And without boring you with the details, it's an opportunity for somebody to reveal authentically of something that they feel shameful about. I would say 80%, if not more, is all about sexual shame. Mm. It's just so crazy. And then here we are, the parents that are trying our best to guide these young people, and we are still uh, negotiating our own shame. That's what I was going to say, by not reconciling our shame or at least bringing some light to it you know we are passing it on well and and what i the one thing i know about shame is the only thing that shame doesn't like is to be spoken right, about and right. that's why yeah. we create that space Brene a Brown, safe space right? to, when you yeah. bring out of the dark that's Brene brown's mm-hmm. you know heart and gold of the vulnerability talk i am how many parents tell me after a parent program like i speak in a school and they bring have me talk to the parents at night I can't tell you the number of times there's, they come up and go, ah, I wish I'd gotten this sooner. Yeah. Yes. I just wish I'd gotten this sooner. And if they want this information. Yeah. And here's what's wild. Someone will listen to an interview like this and they'll think, a podcast, and they will think, well, these three are pretty edgy and, you know, wild. And because we're accepting of other people's possibilities. Right. The odds that I don't know you two's personal and you don't know mine it's nowhere near probably what people think right? because we're open talking about right. other people's boundaries and respecting them. They think, well, then you must be one of those people, right. which is fascinating to me because <laughs> I'm probably nowhere in the realm of what you think <laughs> so, right. as far as probably more, you know, traditional, but, sure. but it, it just because you accept other people's possibilities, mm-hmm. people get uncomfortable. They do. So before Kathy pivots, I, okay. I, I like frameworks and I like when somebody tells me, the questions to ask our kids. So you said two, changing the lens, right? Yep. What's your goal? How realistic is it? Is there any other questions that you can come up with in case a parent wants to continue that conversation with their kid? A third one that could be really powerful is when you choose to be with a partner, do you hope they see you or the person in porn? Because mm. then who are you seeing when you're with them? Mm-hmm. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, like turn it, turn, yep, turn it around it. on them. Yep. Yes. If, it was you, if you're with a partner, are you hoping they view you as porn or as you? Mm. Mm. It's awesome. Thank you. Yep. Sweetie. And, well, so I kind of want to go to pop culture a little bit. And I'll ask you this, Mike. Do you feel like you can speak to sexual trauma pretty well? Not from maybe personal experience, but because of your expertise and who you talk to, if I asked you a few questions about sexual trauma? So uh, the area of sexual trauma that I typically work in is helping use language to help survivors feel safe coming forward. Okay. Not particularly in... Hopefully you like this podcast. You'll get the second half of our conversation with Mike Domish next Tuesday. Have a good one. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. 
You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.